0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The
0: longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? anything you want to talk about where you want to hand out an award to someone some person some team anything go well I mean I
0: you know I don't I I I'm just seeing this now I mean I was up to one in the morning I didn't read the rundown of the show so like I'm not exactly Johnny creative here okay. You can't have free enterprise. You need a draft because every all these kids are going to that school. Stop it. Stop it. You went two superlins in a row and you cut me. So be quiet. I went two in a a row you're a a jerk. Yeah, you went Detroit and you
1: went this one. You're a jerk. You're the guy that didn't have a plan. You're the guy that stayed up till one but didn't bother to look at the rundown, so shut up. I came up with two good ones. I'm smart, Bobby, big chest. We were both a little punchy on Friday after the first night of the draft, but you know what? I kind of like it that way. A little rested, right? A little relaxed, a little refreshed after a Sunday that was normal after the draft concluded. The frenetic activity of Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Chris Sims, Mike Florio, two hours to break down everything that happened all weekend long. It's Pro Football Talk Live. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland who continue to take the show live their time noon Whatever that time zone is, I don't know. London time is all I know. <laughs> Hello, Chris. How are you?
0: Hello, Michael. How are you? Good to see you. You're right. What is that time zone called? I don't, I don't think I've ever thought about that. I thought you might know that being so smart and everything.
1: Well, since the folks in the UK are watching live, go to Twitter at Pro Football Talk and tell us the name of your damn time zone because we don't know. All we know is Eastern, Central. Mountain, Pacific, and isn't there like Nova Scotia time too? I think there's Nova Scotia time. Other You're than after that, the wrong guy. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I just know they're five hours ahead of us, so it's noon in uh, England right now. All right. Uh, let's get to it. There's so many different directions we can take. There are so many different things we can say. But let's begin, Chris, with your all-time favorite NFL quarterback and the way he possibly will react to the Green Bay Packers draft for 2020, considering all the picks they had, and let's show them for the fine folks watching at home, all of the draft picks that the Green Bay Packers had. There they are. And you see the two little letters before each guy's name. That's the position that the player plays. And I would like to think that going into the draft, Aaron Rodgers was hoping for at least two of those guys to have W and R before their names. But no, not a single W, not a single R, except for the R in RBAJ Dillon, who is not a pass-catching running back, their second-round pick. Look, Chris, between taking a potential successor for Aaron Rodgers the first night of the draft, and they moved up four spots and gave up their fourth-round pick to make that happen, taking a running, running back in round two, taking a blocking tight end in round three and not a single receiver the entire three-day effort. What's Rayron Rogers supposed to think right now?
0: Well, I think he's supposed to think what he always
1: always has been thinking,
0: which is, wow, it looks like I'll be carrying the team as usual. I mean, that, that's kind of what he's looking at. You know, I think, again, they've shown great confidence in his ability By the fact that they kind of cheat the support system around Aaron Rodgers at times because they know he's so talented that they go, I I believe that they go, well, he'll get it done with lesser receivers. We don't need to necessarily waste all our top assets on supporting that because we think he's so great. He can make it happen. Yeah, that's fine. But it's tremendous pressure on him all the time. And as we've seen you know, when they get in certain shootouts against certain teams, a la the NFC Championship game or other things, they don't have the weaponry to keep up. So, hey, I, I don't know any other way to say it. The draft was troubling to me in a lot of different ways for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, one, I don't know how you could have gone through this draft and not addressed, you know, again, the run defense. I know I've been banging on the table for that, but it was 120 yards per game last year. It was 23rd in football. Almost any good offensive line that played them move them around at will. So between, you know, not addressing some players around Aaron Rodgers and now uh, the deep, not addressing the defense, you know, and, and I understand there were some other things they did well here in this draft, but I just I don't really get the plan of attack in general. I don't.
1: Yeah, to not use a single pick on a receiver almost feels like a message of sorts. And I don't want to read too much into it, but they didn't draft a single receiver. And that's what Aaron Rodgers wanted. He made the comment last week, they haven't used a first-round pick on a skill position player in 15 years. And they finally did. It just wasn't a running back, a receiver, or a tight end. It was a quarterback. And here is what Brian Gutekunst had to say in the aftermath of rounds two and three, when they continued to beef up the running game, Guttekunst said, I think Matt LaFleur has talked to you guys repeatedly about how much he'd like to run the ball and have the pass work off of that. Matt really wants to tie everything to the run game and off the run game, and these guys will help us do that. And look, we saw how a potent running game can help you win single elimination contests in the NFL. That's what the 49ers did to the Packers. They ran rough shod all over the Packers. And like you said, no effort to improve the run defense, no effort to improve the passing game. And this is more of a long-term effort to improve the running game, not anything that's going to happen immediately. It has to be frustrating if you're Aaron Rodgers. It has to be frustrating if you're a Packers fan. And look, I understand at some point you have to trust Goody Kunst and you have to trust Matt LaFleur and you have to trust Mark Murphy, the CEO, but... I think for fans, sometimes it's a little bit harder than others when you look at where they finished last year, what did them in, and whether or not they've done anything to get over that San Francisco hurdle.
0: Right. I, I mean, I think those are real questions, let alone, you know, you have a quarterback who I don't think anybody would argue is still one of the five best quarterbacks of football. I don't care where you put him in that top five, but I don't think anybody's going to argue that, you know, I always say. You know, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. Those are the top five guys in the game right now. You know what all those other four quarterbacks that I named in that top five have? They have, like, talented receivers, guys that scare the crap out of you. You know, and I know the Houston Texans trade away one of them, but they still got two other guys that are kind of scary and then traded and got another one for Brandon Cooks. So to me, it's almost just like disrespect. I, I can totally understand Aaron Rodgers being frustrated here. Hey, A.J. Dillon, the running back in the second round, he's hes a specimen. He's a real power back. Does he bring value to the offense? Certainly. The tight end you mentioned in the third round, the kid from Cincinnati, you know, he's an H-back. They're trying to find Kyle Juszczyk, right, that type of player. Tight end, fullback, move him around, do those type of things. Uh, but but I just – I guess I just don't understand, you know, again, the, the lack of support system around Aaron Rodgers at times to just – to accentuate the greatness of him and make um, people so scared of your offense. If you just gave him one more weapon, it would bring that Packer offense to that level. And now it's kind of just like, oh, they're good. Yeah, I like it. But man, Aaron's going to have to pull you know a few rabbits out of the hat a few times during the year.
1: The recognizable names from the receiving core include Devontae Adams, Devin Funchess, he's a newcomer, Jake Kumaro, yep. Alan Lazard. Darius Shepard, Equinemia St. Brown, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The problem is one or two of those guys is always hurt, right? You never get the full healthy complement of the receivers, and that's a separate issue altogether. But there are no names there other than Adams that will strike fear. And I think for a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers to do him justice, you need to have more than one guy like that. And to have 36 receivers drafted, 36 receivers, a year in which – Ravens GM Eric DaCosta said you could find a starting receiver in round five. How do you not just throw a dart on at least one of these guys just so you can go back to your franchise quarterback and say, we like this guy. We think he's going to make us better. And we're trying. We're trying to make your receiving core better.
0: Right. I mean, you know, again, it's not that it has to blow you out of the water, but we, we used to sit here and go, man, Tom Brady's weapons aren't that great. And it was Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. We're on the, the, the roster. I mean, Aaron Rodgers would get down his knees and kiss people's feet to have those two as receivers right now. You mentioned the names. Devontae Adams, certainly an awesome receiver. We know that. But after that, it is a lot of unproven commodities there. You said it. Alan Lazard, he showed some glimmers last year. Valdez Scant- Scantling, he's shown some you know spotty, spotty goodness here and there. Devin Funches, he was a little underwhelming with the Carolina Panthers. He went to the Colts last year, got a big chunk of money. He got hurt. He didn't get the show. He is a guy that I do think will have value on this football team, certainly. But, yeah, I just don't know if there's anybody there that scares you. It, the, the draft is just – it was a confusing one. That's all there is to be said about it. You know, I understand addressing the interior offensive line, but I just don't understand a Green Bay being in the Super Bowl window right now.
1: Both Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst addressed the elephant in the room now that there is a clock ticking, an expiration date applied to Aaron Rodgers given the presence of Jordan Love, whose rights they will control for a maximum of five years. So at some point in the next five years, presumably they're going to want to get a return on the field, not on the sideline, on the field for a guy they invested a first round pick and a fourth round pick to get. Here's what LaFleur had to say. About the situation. Aaron is a pro. He's the leader of our football team, and I anticipate that for a really long time. I hope he can play until he decides he doesn't want to play anymore. He is the one that leads us out there. I know he's going to be a great mentor. I don't know how good of a mentor he's going to be because he may not want to be, right? Why do you want to help prepare the guy who, the more prepared he is, the more comfortable the team will be in floating you on an iceberg if you're Aaron Rodgers? So, Look, they're saying what they have to say. They have to say this. They're not going to come out and say what some people are going to think is obvious from just looking at the names of the draft picks. They are planning for life without Aaron Rodgers. And the question is, when does that begin, Chris?
0: Yeah, well, and I think that's just too early. I think that's the thing that bothers me. I mean, you know, again, I don't know if they're ever going to see any value or any assets in return for somebody like Jordan Love. That's what I don't understand. You know, again, we're, we're, we're in the era of quarterbacks play forever. Manning, Breeze, Brady, they're, they're still playing at a pretty high level. Rodgers takes care of himself. You know, his arm we know is an all-time great arm. For anybody to sit here and think like, ooh, Aaron Rodgers still won't be dangerous like three or four years from now, that's insane. I just have a hard time believing that. So what are they going to do? You know, get rid of him then and then let, let Jordan Love come in as the quarterback for the fifth-year option here? You know, or, or is he just going to end up becoming trade bait like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo where we go, well, we had him. He, man, he looked good holding the clipboard all these years. Good thing we wasted the first round pick on him. You know, that's what I just don't understand about this. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he'll be a good tutor. I think he's going to be a good mentor to Jordan Love, Mike. I do. I don't think, I think he kind of had it tough when he came up under Brett Favre. I don't, you know, I've always heard Brett Favre didn't really treat him great at first. Oh, Until finally an understatement. And right, you heard the same things, right? I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to do the same thing, but do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to try to stick it to the Green Bay Packers the set the first chance he gets, whatever way possible? Yes, I do.
1: Well, and you know what? He's going to have an incentive to mentor Jordan Love because the sooner Jordan Love is ready, the sooner he can go somewhere else. So in a roundabout way. It helps Aaron Rodgers to help Jordan Love if the relationship at some level is now poison for Aaron Rodgers. And we know enough about him to know he's not going to be happy about this. He's going to stew about this. It's a normal human reaction, and he may want out of there before they want to move on. Here's what Brian Goodakun said about Rodgers' future, and this comes from Peter King in Football Morning in America. I'm very hopeful Aaron continues to play at a high level for years to come. I know a lot of people are saying this puts a clock on Aaron but I don't see that at all. We prioritize the quarterback position and have for a long time with this franchise. I remember one year in camp, they had Brett Favre, Ty Detmer, Kurt Warner, and maybe Mark Brunel. It's one of the most important positions in sports. If you don't have one, you can't win. I mean, let's be fair about this. Ty Detmer was not a good NFL quarterback, even though he was a great college quarterback. Nobody knew who in the hell Kurt Warner was at the time. Ditto for Mark Brunel. Just because a guy develops elsewhere doesn't mean that it was this jam-packed, superstar quarterback room. Nobody knew it at the time that it was this room of potential superstar quarterbacks. So I don't think that's an appropriate comparison. You mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, could the game here simply be we have Jordan Love in the event that Aaron Rodgers regresses? This is our insurance policy, and maybe after three years, maybe during that fourth year, maybe even during that fifth year, we can trade him and replenish the first-round pick. I mean, the Patriots got back a second-round pick. The same second-round pick they gave up to get Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe the Packers think they can get back their one at some point down the road for a Jordan Love who never plays. I don't know. I don't know what right. the mindset is. And, I don't know what the Right, thing and is. what does this that do?
0: What does that do when you have Aaron Rodgers when you're in the Super Bowl window and you have four to five years to capitalize on that for right now, right? I mean, that's where I don't understand it. You know, I get it. it I you think you're better. right. It makes you no, know better right kn- now. It- Exactly. It makes you know better right now. And, you know, also, when you just look at the contract situation for Aaron Rodgers in this, too, you know, I, I mean, realistically, just looking at it, I mean, there's no way Green Bay is going to let him go. Even in the 2022 season, Mike, he's still got if they were going to release him or find some way to part ways, it's going to be a 17 over 17 million dollars in dead cab money. I mean, that's going to be hard to swallow for a team anyway. So that that would be year four for Jordan Love. No, so no, we're talking- Let's year three.
1: Let's year three. Year three. I got this sorry, all sorry, down. Yes. I, I've already, right. I've already, This is one of those, you know how they do the cooking show where they tell you the recipe and then they just pull the finished product out of the oven? Let me give you the finished product because I got the cool. numbers here. If they would trade Aaron Rodgers right now, which they're not going to do, it's a $45.9 million cap charge this year. That's not going to happen. If they trade him after June 1, they would have $14.35 million hit the cap this year, $31.5 million hit the cap next year. That's not going to happen either. Next year, if they trade him before June 1, it's that same $31.5 million cap hit. Now, they could trade him after June 1 next year and split the cap hit over two years, although I don't see that transpiring. You mentioned the possibility of a 2022 trade that's two years away, cap charge of $17.2 million. That's really not all that much, assuming the salary cap has recovered from the pandemic by then. You have right. Jordan Love in year three of his rookie deal, so your total quarterback investment will be not all that out of whack because it's whatever Love is making plus $17 million at the top of the depth chart. I think they could deal with that. I think 2022 is the window to watch. Now, here's the problem. Can they get through two years of Aaron Rodgers being ticked off, being salty? I mean, are they hoping that this is almost like the Julian Edelman or the West? It's the Wes Welker effect. I'm getting my, my undersized... New England slot receivers confused. You <laughs> yes. always say that they like right. Wes Welker to get pissed off. Do they want Aaron Rodgers to get pissed off, and do they think he's going to find a higher level of performance the next two years because he's got this guy breathing down his throat? Almost like what happened to Tom Brady. We saw a rebirth from Tom Brady due sure. to part of the fact that he had Jimmy Garoppolo hovering over his shoulder.
0: Well, I, I, there, there could be some you know, psych, psychology to that. I, I don't doubt that. I don't think you draft the guy in the first round just to prove that point, though. I'll say that much. I can understand maybe wanting to bring somebody in that maybe just lights a little fire under his butt or just makes him feel a little uncomfortable about, man, you know, this guy behind me has got a little talent. You know, but the big thing is, do we know he's going to be pissed off? Of course we do. I mean, you said it, Mike. He's got a history like this. I love Aaron Rodgers. I know he'll be pissed off just from watching him over years. And then when your franchise left tackle, David Bakhtiari, comes out and basically says, oh, my gosh, you know, Rodgers is going to be on fire. He's going to be pissed off at the world, basically. You better watch out for him. You know, that, that tells you that that is very real as far as the way Aaron Rodgers acts and what he portrays to the football team. So, yeah, he's going to be pissed. And I would think it's, you know, I don't think you're going to have a lot of warm and cozy conversations between him and Goody and. And, and Matt LaFleur this year. I think he's going to be a little edge about him.
1: But do, that's the thing. Do you want that? Is it worth it to I don't get know. him motivated to play at a higher level but pissed off at everybody? Oh, and also be a good mentor to Jordan Love. I, I think this is a very difficult balance for anyone. And I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. I feel bad that he's got to deal with this. Like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, my reaction is, Uh, haven't I done enough since I became the starter in 2008 that you don't feel compelled to manipulate me, to play head games with me. Screw this. I want to play for a team that is happy to have me. That doesn't feel like it has to play these games to try to push my buttons to get me to play at a higher level. Is it not high enough? Would it not be a higher level? If you use a first round pick on a damn receiver instead of a quarterback who isn't going to play, if I'm playing, I'd be upset. And I would want out if I was in Arizona and I'm not trying to cause trouble here. This is a human reaction. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't want out in two years. I want out right now.
0: If you're Aaron Rodgers, at some point, you just want some receivers around you like the other great quarterbacks in the history of the sport have had around them. I mean, Joe Montana, Steve Young, you know, whether you go Brett Favre, Elway, you can just go down the list. At some point, they had big-time talent around them. Peyton Manning, uh, of course, Tom Brady. They've had weapons. They've had difference makers. You know, they, they seem to neglect that too often in Green Bay. They had it early on in his career, and it's like these last four or five years, they're just like, ah, he's so good. Let's just make him carry the team, and we'll figure out ways to make the team better in other areas where i want to go, that's cool, but the team is not that great in these other areas for the fact that there's not a huge great support system for Rodgers, too. So they're not really holding up their bargain on that end to where I go, oh, man, yep, he doesn't have a lot of great receivers, but that defense, it's a Super Bowl. No, it's not. It's good. It's solid. It's It's all it's ever been. So that, that's where I don't like it. And you're right, Mike. It just seems like they've opened up a can of worms here.
1: Ultimately, as human beings, we just want to feel appreciated. Regardless of what your job is, regardless of how much money you make, even if you're Aaron Rodgers at $32.5 million a year, You just want to feel appreciated. And I think coming out of this weekend, he has reason to not feel appreciated by the Packers. And he has reason to think they're trying to play some sort of game with him to try to stoke him into being a better quarterback when he should be able to look at his body of work and say, have I not been good enough? And speaking of appreciation, we appreciate Chris, who is watching the show in the UK. Greenwich Mean Time is the time zone, Chris. Now we, and now that I've heard it, I've kind of it's like yeah, I've heard that before, but I never would have remembered Greenwich Mean Time. But it's now twelve Thank you, p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, and we are way over. We need to take a break. When we return, it looks like Jameis Winston is going to play for a team. Will have no chance to be the starter. Why is that a good move for him? We'll discuss it next here on Pro Football Talk Live. All right, Jameis Winston reportedly heading to the New Orleans Saints. Not done yet, but a one-year deal is being negotiated. As of yesterday, it was close. Cam Jordan, very excited about it. He tweeted, negotiating, let's go. I said Cam wants to eat a W with Jameis. By the way, it was the Superdome in New Orleans where Jameis Winston gave us that gift for the ages of eating a W before a game against the Saints. Cam Jordan says, Jameis is one hell of a competitor with untapped potential. 30-30 to with goat tutelage. Mind-blown emoji. I added also 5,100 passing yards. So you put him with Sean Payton. You put him in a position where he's got the Teddy Bridgewater spot. Look, this is, Chris, the first team that I mentioned when it looked like there wasn't going to be a starting job for Jameis Winston. Go to the Saints. Let your career have sort of a palate cleanser get a chance to maybe play if Drew Brees gets injured at some point, or maybe Sean Payton wants to show everyone that Jameis Winston can do it. So you put Winston out on the field once in a while, just for giggles. Uh, Either way, I think this makes a ton of sense for Jameis Winston to go work with Sean Payton for a year, have a chance to play, and maybe be like Teddy Bridgewater next year, where you're getting a three-year, $66 million contract, even though you've only played five games in five years.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's right. But it's a great move by Jameis Winston. I mean, to me, yeah, Mike, you said it from the get-go. You're exactly right. You know, I was kind of banging the drum for the Steelers or the 49ers. This would have been my third choice, you know, for those those reasons, right, Mike? I mean, this is what we talk about. You know, it's not don't go somewhere just to be the starter. Oh, yeah, great. You're the starting quarterback of some crappy team, and then you don't play well because the support system around you is not good. And all of a sudden – you're back in the same boat next year maybe out of the league because now, now nobody believes in you. This is the perfect thing for Jameis Winston's career. Like you said, clean palette. He's going to learn some, some new things about football. You know, he's going to learn how to play the position better and at a more efficient, higher, cleaner rate than he ever has. And like you said, if he does get in there, one of the best O-lines in football, two good running backs, you know, tight end play, receiver play, all really good with a creative play caller and defense – to where, like we saw with Teddy Bridgewater, he didn't have to do great things. He just played well. He took care of the football, and they went 5-0. and So from Jameis Winston's standpoint, I think it's a brilliant move. And really, for the New Orleans Saints, this is really smart as well.
1: Yeah, I agree with you completely. And look, here's the thing. And this was the same situation that we saw last year. If Breeze gets hurt, You need a guy who can run the base offense. Taysom Hill is not going to run the base offense. If and when Taysom Hill becomes the starter, they're going to create an offense for him. And even though Sean Payton suggested at one point in recent weeks that Taysom Hill is ready to be the number two guy, it's clear that that's not the case. This was part of the broader game of either drafting a number two or signing a number two. And that's okay we understand that sometimes coaches and GMs have to say things they don't mean in order to advance their strategic objectives. They still want to keep Taysom Hill in that Joker Wild Card Jack of all trades spot right. and design an offense for him if they decide to make him the starting quarterback. And the bottom line is he's going to be around for the next two years. We don't know what his role will be, but he now has a two year, $21 million contract to remain with the Saints. It's official. It was announced yesterday. He was due to make about 4.7 million this year, Chris, is a restricted free agent. So they're giving him another 15, 16 million on top of what he was due to make to stick around for one more year. It's kind of like the Jacoby Brissett uh, deal last year at a at a bit of a lower level. But you know, here's the bottom line. He gets security, he gets a payday. He never thought he was gonna get in the NFL, and he gets that 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 certainty of two years with the Saints and the opportunity to compete to be the starter next year, and we'll see how that plays out. If they get Jameis Winston, maybe they decide to keep Winston as a starter next year and let Taysom Hill continue to be in the jack-of-all-trades role.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the Saints bought themselves some flexibility. That's the biggest thing. I mean, we all know this is going to be Drew Brees' last year. You know, so to what you said, Mike, yes, they signed Jameis Winston because, yeah, we still got Drew Brees, but the Taysom Hill – you know, gadget runs and that whole offense is a huge part of what they do. So now to have Jameis Winston, they have a traditional backup and they can run those those quarterback, you know, wildcat type plays with Taysom Hill and not worry if he does ding his shoulder or you know it hurts his ribs just a little bit to go, oh now we have no backup quarterback. Now they have Jameis Winston there. So that makes sense. And then as far as the contract is concerned. Yes, it buys them some wiggle room for next year, too. You know, now they got Taysom Hill locked up. They don't have to worry about negotiating with him once again. They threw some money out to him for this year, for next year. And now they have their guy for next year, and they'll see what happens with Jameis Winston. But, you know, I think it was a win-win situation for Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints, as we know, because Drew, Hill, Drew Brees is, is out the door after this season.
1: And here's the key. The Saints don't have to worry about messing around with the franchise tag next year to keep That's Taysom Hill right. in place, right? And they've right. saved nine, ten million million over what the franchise tag would be via the extra money they're giving him. So it is a win-win. It removes the uncertainty. And they drafted Tommy Stevens in round seven this year, and the immediate reaction is this is a guy who can be like a Taysom Hill for them, right? So he can step into that jack-of-all-trades role if Taysom becomes the starter in 2021 but also also Tommy Stevens since the skill set's similar he could be the backup to Taysom Hill if Taysom Hill's the starter because if you have Taysom Hill as the starter you need a number two that can run the same offense and it's not just about having the quarterback in a position of comfort you got 10 other guys on the field who don't want to have to rip up one playbook and pick up the other one if the quarterback gets injured Every time, and this is fundamental. It's amazing, Chris, how many teams don't do this. It is fundamental that you want your number two quarterback to be as much like your number one quarterback from a skill set as possible. And the Saints get it. And I think Stevens is there because they envision still Taysom Hill to be the starter in 2021. Stevens will be a backup with a similar skill set and can run that same offense.
0: No, Mike, I, th- I think you explained it beautifully. I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, he's a guy, Stevens' big, he's really athletic you know, I think has a chance again for like what, you know, what we've seen when Sean Payton do with Taysom Hill can develop and maybe into a better passer and teach him the position. And there's some potential there, let alone, like you said, when Taysom Hill does take over, if they don't feel like, you know, ramming him through the line of scrimmage in the run game all the time, maybe this guy can develop into being that type of guy too, just to take a little wear and tear off of Hill. So, Hey, the, the saints, Sean Payton, you know, Hey, Orange Crush and Twizzlers, whatever it may be, the guy is always on his game and he understands how to build a team along with Mickey Loomis. And, you know, that's why uh, the, the Saints are who they are. They're, they got a lot of smart people. And Sean Payton, to me, is one of the best coaches we've seen in recent history.
1: Plus, he's got what? the awesome Jordans. I'm surprised he yeah, not right. the Jordans. He had I know. the Thursday night. The <laughs> Friday nights were even better. Within Within seconds... My son had an, uh, an image from somewhere of what those shoes were, and he sent it to me to make sure I understood that he knows. Check your credit card, Bill. Payton All right? Check cre- your credit yeah. card, yeah. Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, good point. Uh, but anyway, great shoes, great candy, great quarterbacks, great coach. we got to take a break. Fill in the blanks next on this Monday edition of PFT Live. The 2020 draft has come and gone. 14 LSU players were drafted. That's the most by any school matching Ohio State in 2004. 15 SEC players were drafted in round one. Previous conference record, 12 ACC and SEC in 2006. And in all, 36 receivers drafted. Unbelievable, but a very, very deep class. So let's play a little fill-in-the-blanks, Chris. And let's begin with this one topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and a drum that I bang every year at this time, blank, had the best draft of any NFL team in the year 2020. Go.
0: Well, uh, I think I'm going to go to the Baltimore Ravens as the team that jumps out to me. I mean, when I just look at what the Baltimore Ravens did, again, for the second straight draft, I just come away going, man, they're just one of those teams that You know, again, we could just go, everybody's playing checkers, and they seem to be playing chess, just on another level, the way they operate through free agency and the draft. But to get a starting big-time middle linebacker in Patrick Queen in round one, then to get J.K. Dobbins in round two, I mean, one of the most explosive running backs in the draft, 80-yard touchdown type of machine, to have him to go along with that O-line and, of course, the Lamar Jackson running, good defensive tackle, From Texas A&M, I mean, Baltimore, shocker. They collect the biggest, baddest dudes on the planet every year. Get a strong physical receiver out of my school, Texas, and Devin Duvernay, Duvernay, excuse me. And then get another thumping middle linebacker because they have an issue there in Malik Harrison from Ohio State. So I look at the Baltimore Ravens as being that team. There was a few others in the mix. The Carolina Panthers, I love it. But I just think the Ravens have killed the offseason to this point and killed the draft once again uh, this past weekend.
1: And given the history of the Ravens, they're competitive almost every year. You never see them go 5-11, and 4-12. They're always in the mix. Eric DeCosta's done a great job. Before that, Ozzy Newsome did a spectacular job. He could get a bust in the Hall of Fame separate and apart from the one he earned as a player. But, Chris, I keep coming back to the one thing, and I, if I'm the only voice out there that will say this after the draft, that's fine with me. We don't know who had the best draft in 2020. No. We don't know, and we won't know. It's all a crapshoot, and that's the one thing that I would love to see more of in the draft coverage, but we won't ever see it and hear it because... There's no way that the draft experts can tell us which of these guys is going to be a bust. They can say, hey, you know what? Half of these guys aren't going to work out. Round one, half of these guys are going to stink. Instead of hyping up every pick, hey, you know what? Half of these guys are going to stink. Here's the big caveat. Half of these guys aren't going to make it. They're never going to say that because if they say that, number one, it undermines this effort to sell hope to all the fans, that every fan thinks they're one draft away from hatching a dynasty in their local town. But the other side of it, too, is... If we're too candid about the fact that half these guys are going to not work out and then people want to know, since we're the experts, which half, we don't know. And at a certain point, they say, well, why the hell are we listening? But that's the truth. We don't know. We don't know. I remember seeing the draft grades for the Seahawks after the 2012 draft. D minus, F plus, right? Okay, they got Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson in that draft. Yeah, D minus, C plus my butt. But the thing is, we don't know at the time. We won't know. And, to, and that's the beauty of this. For all the time and effort that they put into it, nobody knows what the hell these guys are going to do until they yeah, to Yeah, but we the do know. Sometimes, and,
0: sometimes we uh, know sometimes, sometimes we know. Sometimes we come away going, man, they had a great draft. And then we go to the season and we go, damn, those guys that we thought had a great draft have been a great during the season. I, you're right, but some, it's about but, but potential. No,
1: it's about potential. You're absolutely right. And it's about what happens when it's time to go line up and get hit hard by a grown-ass man everyone's got a ceiling between what they did in college and the NFL or slash pro football hall of fame. We don't know what that ceiling is. And nobody knows what that ceiling is. And we all find out in real time when you throw all these guys in the blender with the guys who've been playing in the NFL for the last five, 10, 15 years. And that's part of the fun of it. You figure out who has it and who doesn't. So we don't know is my answer. Next one, the quarterback drafted after round one, who will start a game first is who? I just can't believe
0: your answer still. I'm going with the we don't know answer to start it off. You we do You could have. T- we
1: don't you know. T- we we don't t- know. That's the truth. We can lie and act like we do know. I prefer to be authentic and honest with the audience and transparent and say we don't know because you know that's the truth.
0: Well, I, I don't. Yeah, to a degree, I think that's the truth. I'm not going to no, say that's the total truth. No, I do know. I've been around a lot of times. And I've been right a whole lot of times. We'll see. We'll see, General Manager Chris Sims. We'll see. Okay. Okay, bullcrap artist on Monday fill in the blank show. Good job, you bullshitter. All
1: right, here we go. You ready? Whoa. And uh, that's our last show. Hey, welcome, London. How are you? Good to have you in today. If you had April 27 on the uh, pool as to when we'll be canceled because of Chris's mouth, uh, congratulations. Go cash your ticket. Okay. All right. All right. back drafted after round 1 who will start a game first is who
0: Okay I go down to two guys here I mean one would be James Morgan for the New York Jets uh and I'm sorry I swear I don't mean to make you mad almighty master Michael Florio Uh, I I, look at him mad.
1: I'm just, I'm (laughs) just, I'm just, I'm just projecting what the rest of my day is going to be like. That's
0: (laughs) okay. I'm sorry. Uh, But either way, I look at James Morgan or Jake Luton for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be one of those two guys. I think if you make me pick though, I'm going to go with Jake Luton, the sixth round pick from Jacksonville out of Oregon state. They don't necessarily have a backup quarterback situation there in Jacksonville. He's kind of, NFL-ready, schooled that way. So if I got to pick one, I'll pick him right now. It was between him or James Morgan for the Jets, Mike, because I think the other guys are going to be on the back burner for a little while.
1: I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts, because Jalen Hurts is the number two quarterback now behind a quarterback who gets hurt all the time, Carson Wentz. It's that simple. It's not about who's going to earn it. It's about who's going to start a game. And the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in round two in large part because they know by now after – five years of living with Carson Wentz they know that there's a good chance on any given Sunday he's going to emerge from the game unable to continue to play so Jalen Hurts to me is the guy who's going to be the do you most think they throw him out there
0: though if that happened this year you know what I mean that's what I would question just because they have a Nate they have
1: they have Nate Sudfeld Jalen yeah. yeah. Hurts yeah. is a
0: little project that's the only reason I didn't pick him I certainly recognize the talent and the
1: thought but that was
0: the reason I didn't pick him well. pick him
1: Nate Sudfeld's got to emerge from the preseason healthy, something he didn't do last year. So uh, that's his hurdle before he's in a position to start. All right, let's take a break. Uh, Assuming we'll be back after this. The Patriots didn't draft a quarterback, but they may have wanted to. What does that say about their confidence in Jared Stidham? More PFT Live right after this. Bill Belichick uh, and his dog, Nike, taking care of the draft. You know, in most of these shots, we saw a bunch of monitors and computers and all sorts of high tech equipment. Hey, he gets a treat. Good boy, just sitting there doing nothing. You don't get a treat for just sitting there doing nothing, Bill. You got to make him do something. He's got to sit. He's got to. He's got to roll over. You don't just give him treats for no reason. What's a cute dog? Anyway, uh, Bill Belichick doing his thing during the draft proving to all of us that it really wasn't as complicated as some of the general managers made it look with all of their fancy gadgets and uh, Belichick getting it done his own way. However, one thing he didn't get done, Chris, he didn't draft a quarterback. And he said after the draft, if we feel like we find the right situation, we'll certainly draft a quarterback. We've drafted them in multiple years, multiple points in the draft. It didn't work out the last three days. That wasn't by design. We just tried to do the best we could with what we had this weekend. And there are people reading into this wasn't by design comment as meaning that Bill Belichick wanted to draft a quarterback as meaning that he wanted to draft a guy who would potentially compete to start. Now, if he had wanted to draft a guy around one, two, three, okay, maybe Jared Stidham's in trouble. But if it's just the check the box developmental quarterback round four, five, six, seven, I don't know that that is an indictment of Jared Stidham. And I think Belichick's response is too broad. It's too general for us to glean anything from it that he doesn't believe in Stidham because he didn't draft a quarterback and his failure to draft a quarterback wasn't by design. Without more, it's impossible to know what that means for Stidham.
0: Well, yeah, but I think you made a lot of good points there, Mike. I mean, first off, if they were really desperate to go, oh, we need competition in here for Stidham, or we need to have somebody there right behind him in case something happens— they would have made the moves that are appropriate to draft a quarterback in the first three rounds to be that type of guy. You know, I think what he's saying that is, yes, we planned on drafting a quarterback, you know, at some point, probably in the middle, late rounds. And, you know, the guy that we thought we might be able to get during that period of the draft just didn't fall to us, but he's basically saying we weren't desperate and we weren't going to ruin our draft just to make a move for to have a guy, you know, just to say we drafted a quarterback in the quarterback room. No, you know, once again, I think the Patriots are very comfortable with Jared Sidham as their starting quarterback going into this year. Just from everything I know about the situation, I think they, can, they think he can be the guy. And, you know, to the Patriots, too, you know, they just they don't go off of their board or value. They stick to their plan. So if it's pick 61 and all the quarterbacks in the board aren't better value than pick 94, they don't just go, oh, we need a quarterback bad. Uh, Let's just draft. Let's just draft the guy, even though, you know, we got a a 30 point or a 30 pick value difference as far as when we think this guy will go. They don't do that. They're going to stick to what their organization believes is the right way to stack these players up and how they value them in the draft. And that's why the Patriots, they never waste draft picks like that.
1: We have heard in recent weeks, Devin McCourty, Stephon Gilmore, Matthew Slater, core veteran members of that roster, praise Jared Stidham for the things he did in practice last year, for what he's capable of doing. Whether they were put up to doing that by the Patriots, which I highly doubt, or whether they just did it on their own, that is an indication of what the organization thinks of Jared Stidham. And I agree with you. He's the guy this year. He's going to get his chance. And look, if you're going to try to prove that you can get it done without Tom Brady, the best way to do it, Chris, is with a guy who comes straight from the system, not some desperate reaction move where you go out and grab a Cam Newton. You want to show that the Patriot way works. And what better way to show it than to kick the next man up into that job and let him go do his thing like they've done at every other position during the 20 years that Bill Belichick has been the head coach. So it makes sense on a lot of levels. We'll see if Stidham can get it done.
0: Right. That's exactly right, Mike. But I think you, you know, you, you make, you know, again, another great point. One, you know, we just talked about how they trust their evaluations. They took, they took Jared Stidham in the middle of the draft last year because they thought, damn, we got a guy here in the fourth round that we think is a lot better than a fourth round pick. So there's value to that. And then, Mike, I think your point about the system is very real. It is. It's not easy to learn that system, and it's a special system. I mean, Mike, I can't tell you how many times I've had people go up to New England and work in that coaching, you know, uh, on the coaching staff or be a part of the offense, and they sit there and go, I I can't believe the way way they run this play. Chris, did you ever know they did it like this on offense? So, you know, they have a plan, and I think they're very comfortable with Jared Sidham.
1: If you were watching the draft on Friday night, you saw a moment where Bill O'Brien, the Texans coach and GM, was upset. We'll tell you why he apparently was a little bit miffed when PFT Live continues right after this. Bill O'Brien was not happy on Friday night. The hand gestures, the lip reading. Be careful there. We may have to pixelate his mouth at some point. He says some words that... Cannot be said on TV unless you're Chris Sims. Pointing fingers, upset, getting up, walking away. Now, look, he tried to say after the fact that that was some sort of a gag. If you watch the kid that was sitting there, the poor kid was scared to death. That was not a gag. He was upset. That was Bill O'Brien upset. And John McClain of the Houston Chronicle said it was because the Lions were trying to do a trade up with the Texans And O'Brien thought the deal was done and then it fell apart and he was upset that that deal didn't go through. And then I don't care. Try to make light of it after the fact. It's clear in that moment he was upset, Chris. He's not that good of an actor. If he was, he's in the wrong profession. He should be in Hollywood.
0: No, no doubt about it. You know, I I don't understand sometimes why these guys just don't wear it on their sleeves. Like, it's 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 business. It's hard. It's things don't always go smooth. Obviously, there was something there that he was, you know, pissed off about. But you're right. He's certainly not acting, and if you read, you know his lips. There is, you know, a four-letter word. With the word, then it says Bob, which is yep. in Bob Quinn, the GM of the Detroit Lions. And you know, there's some history there. Bill O'Brien worked in New England with Bob, so I don't know what went down. But either way, Bill O'Brien was not very happy about the situation.
1: Definitely not happy about the situation. And as we watched it on TV in real time, they kept the shot on the kid who was sitting there. And you can just tell that, you know, he's not like laughing like this is funny, like dad's really pulling a fast one on someone. He's seen that before. He's heard that before. And he knows in those moments the best thing to do is sit there and shut up, Chris.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. He's he's seen the wrath of that human being before, and he knew that was no joking matter. Certainly not. And yeah, I mean, again, I I think, you know, Billy O is trying to save some face here. He doesn't want to embarrass anybody, himself, anything like that. But obviously there was a breakdown in negotiations and he didn't see it the same way Detroit did.
1: All right. Full hour of Monday PFT Live still to come. We'll be back with that right after this. One,
0: two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life.